Hello and welcome to Keyframes in Betweens, a mini podcast about anime. I'm your host, Ben Halliburton. With me today is Andy. Hi, hi, hi. And Duncan. Yo. Uh, we are covering the final, final season of Agretzko, Aggressive Retzko on Netflix, a uh, 10 episode ONA that is you know, added to the 40 episodes plus one, there was a Christmas special and the hundred shorts before that, that aired from 2016 to 2018. Uh, I think we're all big fans here. So we're going to see how we feel and wave goodbye to a Gretzko, even though she will stay around forever because she's a Sanrio character (laughs) and very marketable. (laughs) Um, And that, in fact, uh, that's how she came about in 2015. Sanrio released a poll asking, for what new character people wanted to see and people wanted an office lady or salaryman type. And they introduced her with a uh, series of shorts beginning in April 2016 and uh, a bunch of merchandise branding the following month. Um, and yeah, it's it's one of several characters created by Yeti, the anonymous uh designer that works for Sanrio. A lot of anonymous stuff here, like Rara Cho, the yeah. the director and voice of of Agretzko. Uh but yeah. Stuff like Yeti is probably not one person. It's probably like a board of people. True. But the, but like you can literally look on like Sanrio's Instagram like it's like, hey Yeti came into the office and here she is meeting Agretzko. Of so course. of course they uh, want to make it out like it's a real person. A person. I doubt, I doubt it is. I doubt it's oh. We'll have plenty of time to get cynical about the inner workings of Sanrio, a massive corporation that produced a series of absolutely virtuosic anti-capitalist uh, <laughs> rants. So, uh, yeah, let's get into it. I, I've been a fan of the of the the shorts, the hundred shorts, which used to be translated on YouTube, and then Sanrio got tired of that and took them down. Um, but yeah, they were they were a lot of fun. I talked them up way back in the early prehistory of this podcast, back in episode eighteen. Um, but yeah, Duncan, you want to run through the show and then we can talk about the final season, what happened, how we feel about it, and just Sanrio crap in general. Ogretso has a tendency just to pick a, a main theme and, and run with it quickly over the f- course of those, t- those 10 episodes or so. So first season, my box is a sexist pig, I hate work, and <laughs> is marrying a potato the answer? Season two? Uh, my passive-aggressive junior and tech bro boyfriend. Um, season three, what if I was pushed into following my dream? Season four, late-stage capitalism.mkv. Um, and <laughs> then we arrive at season five, which is, I think, best described as... Um, We're fucked. <laughs> Our generation, everybody. <laughs> yeah, they really, um, especially in the back half, they really pushed an agenda, a political agenda that I felt was probably speaking to a lot of people. Um, the feeling of an unemployment and also just the tragedy of young people not voting. And then on top of that, not being able to vote uh, for mm. the candidate mm-hmm. that they want to vote, which feels like it doesn't feel like just a Japanese thing. It feels like a oh, yeah. worldwide that's, thing. That's, yeah, um, I mean, and that's why Agretzka has been such a hit is because... <laughs> It's like when it's like when uh, Parasite was made and and Bong Joon Ho was like, uh, I didn't try to make an international movie. I just tried to make a movie about what's going on in Korea. And it turns out, turns out everyone's got it. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. This fifth season has kind of made me think a lot about the 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 previous four in in sort of retrospective 
the fact that they finally decided, okay, season one, her singing metal in karaoke is almost a bit. She's got all these tensions from work and from relationships built up inside. And so she has to find a release for that. And this seems to have actually done something which is kind of rare and gone a little little high concept almost. It's like the fact that you've got someone saying, what is rage? And like, what does it mean to have rage in a modern society? What are you raging against? Is there a, mm-hmm. a point to it even? And the fact that we, I think it actually does sort of come out with a coherent answer to that is kind of remarkable. Like, Especially for a corporate character from Sanrio. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. To recap this season, you basically started with Haida um, being jobless and then losing a job at Gretzico sort of being very mean to her relation, their relationship and saying, hey, I'm not going to see you anymore if, uh, unless you sort out your job situation. Um, and then him moving into a net cafe. Then they move in together. Then there's the classic parent meet episode, which I thought was very good. Um, yeah. Oh, the, with the most brutal final moment. Oh, just that, <laughs> that, that, this, yeah. this shot where... At the end of the episode, they're like, oh, yeah, we'll support you as, as a couple. Glad glad you're with our daughter. Let's take a photograph. Just crops Hyder out of the <laughs> photograph. Oh, dear me. Like, that is absolutely just stone cold. Yeah, that's stone cold harsh. I I like that episode a lot, actually. I, I and, and, then, and then they move on to Hyder's family. And you see Hyder's got uh, a political family, which I kind of feel like it came out of nowhere. Um, and then there's some in season four that was like Fenneco discovers his family's he's rich and that he's got basically getting his stuff paid for him but it certainly is not raised to any degree like it's it's there it's acknowledged but this is the first time it's actually addressed I think yeah and 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 then it moves into this political angle which really happened in the last two episodes if I'm being perfectly honest I thought that this season out of all of the seasons is the messiest but it's the one that has at least a more coherent ending I liked Mm -hmm. that you saw sort of their relationship progress apart away from like them just being together, but them living together. I felt that was very good. There was some really good comedy about like being sick with each other. But I just, I just, I remember messaging you guys when it got to the um, political grievances and her joining a political party. And it was like two (laughs) episodes to go. And then I was just like, they're they're really going to do this in two episodes what are they doing? We did get a double length one. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I think that a lot of times, uh, Agretzko has, uh, has struggled to balance three different kinds of critiques, which is just personal relationship with employment. Like, how does a job give you purpose or not give you purpose? How are we all trapped in these jobs we don't like? There's the larger systemic critique where it's sexism, ageism. Uh, various societal forces that are pushing us around. And then there's also the romance angle um, with loneliness. And if you can't find satisfaction in uh, in your work, when society as a whole sees you as a, a valueless person or a person who's only valuable when producing a certain kind of thing, um, can you find can you find love there? And how do you find love when all everyone's personality is is their shitty job that they hate? Mm. Uh, I think is the question. Like the discovery that Haida is a punk 
and then that he has a rich family is just like how atomized we are. And I do think that even though I agree the the fifth season is messy and feels very strongly like this was a fifth and a sixth season that got mushed together. Um, yeah. Although other seasons have like taken crazy turns and gone really far off the rails seemingly. Uh, so I can't say that that's actually what happened, but it's what it feels like. But it is the same sort of thing of of even these romantic couples being atomized from each other because of poor communication, because of societal expectations, all of Agretzko's friends telling her what to think, Haida being ashamed that he can't support himself. Uh, I think it, it does build in to like, well, we'll have to take it all the way to the top. We'll have to like find a political solution. And then like the revelation at the end of the even if you're like a pop star with like a massively successful campaign, uh, you're not going to like, no, there's, there are, there is infrastructure there. And, but pissing people off has, has value to it. Both pissing people off who support you to make them more activist and pissing off your opponents to force them to granted support an un, unfeasible project, like, uh, the elderly expulsion act. Hmm. Um, but I think this was the episode that was, this was the season that was the most explicit about like just being crushed by an older generation's bubble age dreams. Like, hmm. Mm-hmm. Tan was a personification of just old people who won't get out of the way, but he was also just kind of a reprehensible person. And so it didn't feel as like as much of a generational critique. Um, and then we, <laughs> when we introduced to hide his father and he's just like covered in liver, liver spots and had heavy jowls and wearing, wearing a, a house kimono and just being very traditional and just being like, I am completely self-made. You are pathetic that you cannot even start to approach my example in this life and just yeah i I think it everything is is of a piece but it's definitely it's definitely a a season that goes everywhere you do not think it's going to go from Haida living in a net cafe to Haida supporting his girlfriend's bid to uh to a position in the diet a seat in the diet yeah so which again i i don't know like there's also just sort of some things that just kind of annoyed me where <laughs> uh, like it's just so evident that Retsuko as a person just like kind of has no backbone. Uh, it just yeah, she's a doormat. She's such a doormat. It's so it's something she never fixes in the show. And no, really. it it feels like she's and it feels like they don't want to fix that because they just they literally just were like, yeah, that's who you are. That's just that's just what you do, and you'll come along and you'll play along, and we know how to emotionally manipulate you into mm. into doing what we want, which feels like one of the themes of the show <laughs> is to be individualistic and uh, and to have a backbone and to sort of certainly in like the earlier seasons is to just be like is to state your claim and then for her to be against that i find is mildly frustrating sure but i i do think that also it's you don't have to change your your personality and that like yeah capitalism does grind us down like this these awful jobs where you have to work with idiots for an asshole that that fate you can counter that by building your own communities of people who you can trust to push you in the right direction. And I do think Agretzko has that, has that message and has that direction and development, but it does feel weird because like, even to the very end, people are telling her what to do and she's like, Oh, okay. Well, that makes sense. I guess if I don't want to let everyone down. Um, but I, I, I mean, I don't know. I, th- I think Agretzko mm-hmm. losing that sort of like beaten down people pleasing. This would be like Gudetama losing his laziness or pom pom purring, losing his—I don't know what pom pom purring's personality <laughs> traits are. Uh, he's <laughs> but, uh, but he's an adorable dog with a with a <laughs> French hat. What are those things like? A beret, beret. beret that's it. Okay. Beret. That's that's his thing. I think he has a butt. Uh, Does he have a pudding butt? beret? 
Does uh, he have a butt? No, Gudetama is a butt. Yeah, Gudetama is definitely oh the, the butt. And he's getting his great, his uh, big book of Sanrio characters. No, look, he has a little butthole. Oh. He has a butthole. Oh. Well, because okay. he's a living being. <laughs> Actually, like, that was something that Jeff was bringing up off air was like, we don't see any, we, we see very few mixed couples in, uh, in the world of, mm. <laughs> in the world of Agretzko. It just makes you wonder what's going to happen on a literal sense when Agretzko and Haida have kids. If they have kids, are they going to be like half, half red panda and half hyena? Are they going to be these weird hybrids? That doesn't seem like Sanrio's thing. I think they would just like, oh, just like you're born with an X or a Y chromosome, you're yeah. born a hyena or a, <laughs> or a panda. I was shocked how quickly they they bundled that marriage through like i yeah it was like that's a big that's big evidence for a for a a, a scrapped sixth season i feel like because it literally just happens during a montage i don't know i i quite i quite liked it i quite liked just the sort of uh breeziness of that event <laughs> i i don't feel that it was were you dreading a, a gretzko marriage is that what was happening <laughs> you're like oh i have to have a whole episode about them getting married but it's like what I don't know. I, I feel that the show is already cemented. Like, with their relationship, they're already sort of together and they're solid forever. So it feels just like one of those things where it's like, it doesn't really matter if they're married or not. Um, it was just something that they just feel that they had to mention. Like, yeah, we they're getting married. But it was such a... I know, I, I liked it. it. It felt very anti-sort of traditional wedding and traditional animation style of putting so much importance on a wedding um, that's fair um one thing which was strange about it though is that it came after Haida almost being killed like uh, almost being assassinated we're, we're led to believe essentially uh someone drives a huge truck backwards into him almost destroying their, the outside of their campaign headquarters and leaving him sort of concussed and on the floor. Um, why why we don't end up in the next scene in hospital? I have no idea. Like, come on. Like, you just literally got hit by a truck. <laughs> Fucking hell, lad. Get to the hospital, at least get checked out. But no, he's rock and roll. You don't do that. Yeah, um, I suppose so. I viewed that more as a sort of like a threat rather than an actual attempted assassination on his life. So I feel that, uh, I don't know. I Even so, it's, it's I, the, the marriage happens almost in reaction to that. It's like... Uh, yeah, but I think that's also true with a lot of people who go through, you know, near-death experiences. They want they to get make married. sure that... <laughs> Like yeah. a lot of people who have who have their family try to assassinate them for running an opposing political campaign. Well, they did. And then the, the brother, the, the, the brother at the them. end, the only thing he has to say is, is I... I wasn't the one who ordered that. <laughs> it's just like, thanks. Is that all you have to say to me? And he's like, yeah. Which, uh, which was, yeah, there's no rec there's no reconciliation either. Yeah. Which is good. Like that doesn't have to be reconciliation. Sometimes you just family members you don't get along with. And yeah. Sometimes family members just try to kill you. <laughs> like, you gotta, <laughs> I, I like to think you just leave that behind. <laughs> you don't know if it was, it, it was heavily suggested that it was, them but you don't know for sure there, there's many political parties are you working for the Haida family andy what's yeah. going on here? i, I like how, how they were as you say they they 
they had these shared, this shared 17 years of living under the same roof they talk about, him, uh, Haida and Jiro, and they, they sort of, of, they know each other well enough to understand each other, but not to like each other still. And I, I thought that's mm-hmm. like a, a very true thing sometimes with family. And I also enjoyed little moments like that moment when he comes to sort of like just say, oh, I, I, I didn't try and kill you. It wasn't me. He, like mm-hmm. that, 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 that sort of like pun to end that particular sequence is him just like freezing or as he's about to sneeze and then after the moment after like he and just being so so sort of like stuck in his politician ways he, he doesn't want to let himself sneeze in front of him so he's just got this face yeah. stuck for a couple of seconds and also and also it shows that like on a very fundamental level the Haida brothers are pretty similar they both yeah. have bad allergies they refuse to treat because they are idiots no matter how clever they look in their professional careers. And yeah, yeah like Haida being unemployed, I, I was saying before the podcast that I had, uh, when I was transitioning out of out of grad school to the, the corporate world and trying to find jobs, I had two stints of 10, 11 months of unemployment. Um, and man, just the feeling of like applying for jobs, being like on the side of the road, trying to flag a car, down to like help you and every so often someone slows down long enough to say fuck you and then they drive off and that's how it is like when he's in when he's in the interviews like this is a great resume i we don't understand why you'd want to work for our for our company and he like gives a decent answer and they just reject him it's not worth the risk that like he that he was fired for a reason and man i felt that a lot in my times of unemployment of like well the company that fired you probably had a reason for firing you so we're just not interested in taking that risk. Um, and thanks I didn't, a... I didn't become homeless and have to live in a net cafe with a depressed goth girl. Although that does sound like something Ben would do at some point <laughs> in his life. Uh, but, but, um, well, cause I, I don't know. It, it would never happen to me cause I would ask for help, but Haida, Haida is so desperate to prove that he, that he is just a, a standalone being, even as he's drawn to like, these different sources of power, his family, and then this charismatic uh, CEO last season who just like convinces him surprisingly easily to break the law just by being like, hey, this is your ticket to success and him willing to go along with that. But it, it does suck that like he his life almost like falls apart in an extremely dark way just because he didn't tell his girlfriend that he's that he you know got kicked out of <laughs> Kicked out of his apartment. To be fair, for spending three thousand dollars on a on a on a gotcha game, mm. uh, <laughs> that Finico later joins. That was a great touch too. I love Finico in video games. I want a Finico spinoff. Finico spinoff win. Yeah, yeah Finico's Finico's always good. Um, I think she's a bit too. Uh, I don't know. She is completely one, one dimensional. One note, but, but yeah. it is a good yeah. one note. It, it's well, a very well, enjoyable the goth- one note. When she meets the goth girl, and the goth girl is just like not nice to her at all, and she's like, "I like you." <laughs> the way that a lot of Sanrio characters work, because I was thinking that the year before Agretzko came out was when they like did a big refresh, and we had Show by Rock and Sanrio Boys, and Sanrio Boys was shit, uh, but Show by Rock it was very good and kind of like being able to have one complex character or one nuanced character that, that a, a bunch of like kind of like one note joke characters you can always count on them to say thing X. Um, became kind of a, a pattern for them in their in their media adaptation, and I think Agretzka really benefits. Like I never got tired of Finico; she's always funny when she comes on, 
like the fact that she like is weak to video games is <laughs> and that she's like she thinks she's really smart but she's using old slang that's like incredibly out of date and makes yeah. the goth girl think that she's 50. It's like yeah. oh I think she's a 50 year old man because she says R-O-F-L so much. <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah I uh, uh, I like that. I, I think mean... there's, there's definitely a, something in common between uh, uh, Fenneko and uh, Shikabane as well. I think those two are sort of like two generational sides of a, a coin where there's Fenneko is almost someone who Shikabane could have been if she'd ended up in a workplace rather than in between jobs because Fenneko mm-hmm. is completely and utterly um, cynical Checked about out. yeah, <laughs> yeah. She does, she, she's just like I'm do, my, my answer to being a, a work job is just to be snarky as all fuck about the entire thing I, I I have no intention of pretending I am anything otherwise than what I am and like and she, and the whole thing of of skunk goth girl is she she doesn't want to have to fake it to make it and I I think Fenneko has somehow managed to to make it while not faking it in in her own well, particular I mean, she's, way. She's faking it a little bit because they they made several jokes this season and multiple seasons about how she she's on social media all day just like stop like cyber stalking all of her friends and their partners and anyone else she knows and it's just like. <laughs> She gets her work done, or maybe no one notices, or maybe everyone's scared of her, or maybe they've given up on... It's just it's, it's very odd to see how people carve out these different niches for themselves, because everyone else is still at the office, and, like, you know, Tan is still spending most of his time in the break room watching TV, <laughs> as opposed to... Uh, and being like, oh, this TV's so big! It's just very, <laughs> very bubble era. Uh, yeah, just I'm glad that they redeemed Tom's Tom, so I can I can not feel bad in liking how funny, yeah, how funny he is at times. But it's, uh, it's, it's funny having like Tom, Tom, just everyone else looking down at their phones, and Tom being like in love with this huge screen. It was just like is like a very generational relationship with technology thing. Like, like that's the generation before us just was like, wow, consumer technology. These are these big passive things where we sit, sit and we watch the TV and our generation, we, we just like look down onto our tiny little screens <laughs> and don't look around us. How do you, you guys feel about the like whole five season arc of of the flight of retsko like how, how do we feel about this because this this is a in, like i think this is a very interesting show in that it starts in a place where the worst we could imagine is work sucks and it, yeah. it, it ends in a place where large swathes of society have lost all faith in um, conventional political remedies to uh, the problems because they've seen institutional failure on a, on a mass scale. Like I yeah. th- going back and watching season one of Gretzko, just to, to, as a refresher, sort of reminded me of uh, a manga I've read called. <clears throat> let's see if I can nail this pronunciation or completely fuck it up. Um, <laughs> Tokyo Tarabe Taraba. Tell me how I should pronounce this. Tokyo Tarareba Girls. What he said. Um, uh, to have an anime podcast. <laughs> <laughs> so I I read this probably six or seven years ago. It came out in uh, 2014. And it's an, basically a romance uh, manga about a 33-year-old 
a woman who has decided she spent her life missing out on things by not making decisions and she's going to be more proactive. She's going to try and get what she wants because she's going to be 40 when the Tokyo Olympics come in, in 2020. And that's like a generational event and she, she will not let her, she's going to have her life sorted by the time the T Tokyo Olympics came. And all I could think of was after making that connection was, boy, they had no idea how the Tokyo Olympics would turn out. Um, <laughs> just from the UK perspective, like when it was the London Games, before it was going to happen, we were, everyone was so cynical about it and especially about the money which was being spent on it and how much of a waste it was going to be. And then it happened and a lot of people knew someone who volunteered or who who actually managed to get down there or they watched mm. an event and, 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 and saw an emotional moment of between like a father in the stands and their son on the, the track or something like that. And it made me wonder, like, how does Japan feel about uh, an Olympics, which had all of the former and none of the, the latter? Mm. I wonder how big a effect the 2020 slash 2021 uh, Olympics uh, <laughs> will have had on the way uh, Japanese culture views the political class because any cynicism which was already there about them having their own agendas and not actually caring for the, the people they're supposed to represent has got to have increased twofold after you have this huge thing pushed on for prestige almost regardless of its cost in human lives. I, I wonder if like someone on on the the staff has has been radicalized by that shit i mean i mean it's it hard is, not to be radicalized by the last three years but yeah go ahead Andy. <laughs> it is worth mentioning that the you're talking about the the olympic games mm. that was not uh pushed on by the political party that was pushed on by the olympic games committee themselves they were forced to do 2021 because they already had people lined up for the next 2024 Etc. Etc. Um, however, I do know, speaking to uh, certainly my Japanese friends, um, that I feel a lot of younger people are fed up with um, the age gap because they do feel that a lot of their um, a lot of their needs and their demands have been ignored largely by the political party, who only need to want to keep themselves in because they've got this old, old boomer generation who are still kicking around. So they know that there's not enough people. They, if they adhere to the younger generation, they literally won't be able to get in because there's literally not enough people. So if they vote, yeah. if they try and show any, anything that isn't is ageist or, or looks like it could be anti, um, more of a lot of like modern or young thinking like LGBT rights or, you know, like drug policy reworks or anything like that, that I feel that the younger generation certainly feel differently about. It just gets shot down because they're not going to, they're not going to shake their, their shaky foundation of an older generation. Yeah. And it, it the funny thing is that, well, not funny, the sad thing, um, those words mean the same thing. Uh, <laughs> The sad oh, thing is that is that this is stuck around for because like I think of like Akira or like X nineteen ninety nine the way that they show 
the the legislative body of Japan is just completely hidebound and just interested in everyone just getting as much corruption out. And even like Sonaro Zetsuba Sensei makes a joke about how the only way you can reach uh, the diet is through a message in a bottle. And it's got Shiri in like 1970s student protester gear lighting a Molotov cocktail outside the diet building, um, which I'm actually kind of impressed that they that that didn't get uh, shot down by by a. The TV channel, but I don't know. Maybe with like late night Sunrise <laughs> Sensei, or maybe the the no one was watching. The screeners it. don't even do, yeah. yeah. The screeners <laughs> aren't even watching Sunrise Sensei. Uh-huh. Uh, but yeah, it's it it feels like this is a crisis that's kind of been in the back of people people's minds since since even the bubble era itself. The bubble era was seen as as them just like milking Japan for all it's worth, and now that we're in austerity it's still the same dynamic and i guess that's how it is here in america too we also are trapped under a gerontocracy that yeah doesn't really care except we have a, a huge younger generation that will hopefully change things but i'm not willing to count on anything because see see previous 30 minutes of this podcast. <laughs> um uh yeah there's there's a uh, i so yeah i think and um, i think in japan and especially um i think the covid thing has really kicked off mm. their opinions of like um that their their views and opinions are completely ignored because um the reason why they their their economy is sinking is because they haven't opened up their borders because nobody is getting vaccinated because the old people believe the right wing lies mm-hmm. that um the american right wing press has propagated um, similar to you know how Shinzo Abe got killed by a cultist because the old guy the guy had uh, his parents send all his money in a cult and this is a cult that Shinzo Abe you know approved of and went to speak in it and so he thought the way to get to them was to kill Shinzo Abe um, you know these these things happen and the com- the topic of conversation is not how do we stop these cults amassing because that's what the old people want. It's the wrong conversations that are being mm. made. Um, I feel like Gretzko does have an, a sort of cautiously optimistic view on all this in the end, though. I think it it what it sort of, of is unsure about is like this idea of the sincere wish for change and how you actually get through to a generation who are deeply cynical as a defense mechanism and who look and say okay i can try but i'll just get hurt so it's easier not to try and these these stats which andy are talking about like and the series mentions of like one third of japan being over 65 like the amount of your generation you have all the other generations you have to swing are huge like it's it's maybe not insurmountable but for many people it's inconceivable they can't think what's 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 the famous thing it's like it's easier to imagine the end of the world than the end of capitalism and yeah it's favorite quote (laughs) yeah (laughs) um and Gretzko's like final statement on on this is kind of what she says to uh, Shikamani in the karaoke, which is um, feelings are meant to be pushed on others. There's no other way to use them. Like this idea that 
the way you find and make connections is by giving voice to your your feelings especially these feelings of rage like the 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 finale is her starting with these little petty rages and finding common ground with them and building which is a great scene by the way that it was really good slow rhythm to break out into a song finally yeah. yeah yeah So um, yeah, just starting find, finding these small common grounds and building on it until you have something more. And I, I think like that's a positive note for it to leave on, to, to say rage no, isn't, isn't this impotent thing. It's not this thing you do because it's the only escape you have. And that's where it starts out for Gretzko. It's just her escape. Whereas here, it's not her escape. It's her connection with others. And I think that's an interesting change over these five seasons and a good one, like a surprising one that it ends on mm. something like that. Right. I think a less, a less daring show would have a Gretzko like find positive emotions that drive her, but no, like when things are shit, rage is solidarity. And I, I, I love how that final scene comes out and then they know like, it, but there's the ending where, like, yes, like rage won't get you all the way there, and ultimately, an entrenched political dynasty uh, and a recognizable name will do will do more than an army of people singing along with you um, about how they want things to be different. But it's still, you know, it's it's like you said, Duncan. It's baby steps. It's about it's about building communities and building common identifications. And it's fucking wild that we got that from San fucking Rio <laughs> in, the, in the year 20, 2023. Um, yeah. Cause I know that like, like, like aesthetic anti-capitalism is popular, some streaming shows, but like Agretzko is so corporate that like half the people working on it work through pseudonyms. The credits are all just the producers, mm. which are just the people with money as opposed to the people doing the artistic stuff. Yeah. And you have to dig even to find the voice actors, um, let alone the production staff. You can obviously people throw cake and eating it at, at it. Like, oh, it's been hypocritical. It's just a huge, it just wants to monetize your rage. And like Fenneker has something to say about that. And uh, I think <laughs> that it itself has something to, to like, I think the sec- looking back at the, the, the second season, and, uh, like mm-hmm. Anai, I think at the time I had a lot of trouble understanding what it was trying to say about Anai, who's this really, really def- incredibly defensive like portrayal of millennials at the time was, was, I think, what everyone thought it was. It's this idea that you have this person in your workplace who just tries to turn everything else into someone's fault and who's not exactly a job's worth, but just what's the right way to describe him? Um difficult to fragile. deal with yeah yeah <laughs> like fragile and like and I, th- I think looking back a lot of of what that season i think was trying to say is that you're in this together you you you're even if it's just at the, the level of people you're working with like not to go too left wing but the, the the people you're working with are your comrades like this this is 100 yeah. percent like your sympathy you shouldn't be seeing them as threats to you each other you should be seeing them as people who are going through the same thing as you are who you have far more in common with than you would otherwise imagine because no matter how different personalities you are how how different it is you've still got to deal with the same shit every day and 
there's no point blaming those people because they can't control that shit. They just have to live it just like you do. People, when people get angry with a corporation, they will take out, out on its employees. And that's something which always just completely and utterly seems horrid to me. Like, so I, I'm so glad that this show has progressed from just this vague sense that you need not to be attacking each other to maybe there is someone else more uh worthy of your anger and uh rage that there is maybe maybe something we can do about it and i think that's a brave thing to say it's like how dare you have politics how dare you <laughs> it's, it's you were supposed to be just a cute show about a, a girl who sang death metal how dare you actually have a message yeah and and at the same time it's not like a tidy message it's yeah. it's messy and it there's a lot of loose ends i remember when I remember there was an anime feminist article that was really upset with how like the men in this show who are terrible to Retsuko don't have a comeuppance and don't meaningfully change. We learn to contextualize their toxic behavior, mm. but you know, we don't have Retsuko's position vindicated. Um, and I understand that criticism, but I do think that this is about how like, we're like, this isn't necessarily a show about, about, people growing it's about like realizing your position and realizing who people are and like what what things are worth focusing your attentions and efforts on versus what things aren't and like yeah Han's not gonna like become a feminist he's still a kind of guy who only cares about women because his, his daughters happen to be women and presumably his wife um but it's i don't know so that messiness i enjoy but i but um i do think it also makes the uh the conclusions of the show more powerful because they do feel authentically messy and you just kind of have to ignore what doesn't fit and take what you want forward it just feels also just more like real life real life is messy yeah you can't mm. have a simple answer to everything um and if anything like it shows this this way that this male oppression just goes unchecked just shows how women feel in the workplace like there's nothing they can do about it so they just don't bother addressing it because it's too much energy and effort and pain mm. to even bother um which like is sad that. but yeah, i think no, it's sad it's good that it brings it up and mm. you know if someone raises it and says it's a problem then yeah but that's a problem that they're raising on purpose i like that um even the the men <clears throat> in agretzko's life who she she cares a lot for for uh, in particular Haida and tadano like she calls them on her book on their bullshit, like Haida uh, trying to white knight her uh, after she almost yeah. gets gets stabbed. Now, admittedly, <laughs> he, he 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 does do some things which are quite heroic in some ways, but nevertheless, like the way he makes her feel about that, like I think that that's that's maybe the like that was the season three was a strange season, like the season which yeah. is mostly just okay. We're gonna follow. Gretzka's gonna follow a dream and become a metal idol. We're gonna we're gonna take this the idea of oh, who's doing her songs and all that, and we're gonna just make it into a whole season. And then its final sort of like coda is just like, how do we get over trauma? How do you be a, a good friend to someone who's dealing with trauma? And like that's like that was like really heavy out of nowhere. And it's always been a show which thrives on these contrasts and where, as Andy says, characters aren't exclusively good and aren't ex exclusively bad where they have moments where they're doing the right thing even like in season four where we get the 
the new boss coming in like Austin like on the top of things like he may be this completely corrupt just symptom of late stage stage capitalism who all he wants to do is basically make the books look good so he can get a good bonus and uh um uh, uh just move on to his next job with a big um golden handshake but he still points out just how incredibly badly run the company was because it was it's like mm-hmm. he, it's it's the whole the worst person you know just made a good point is is like much of this shows uh opinion on its its worst characters letting them be shitty but still have these moments where they say something which is just evidently true or or is braver than many shows are willing to be while we're on on characters should we address personal faves and maybe personal (laughs) uh personal ones we feel the closest to um yeah let's go ahead and wrap up with um with yeah, favorite characters and oh, favorite moments. Wait, no, I'm not. I think I was gonna say. I'm interested by the fact that you think that this is two seasons squidged together. I don't think that's the case at all. I think this is very clearly like defined five seasons, fifth season, because I don't think Agretzico could go anywhere. I didn't to be fair, I didn't think it could go anywhere after the death metal idol. Yeah. Um but <laughs> I now I, I feel like there's there's nowhere else it can go. It's oh, already no. said I, its piece. I know, but I imagine that there would be a that we would have another uh, a whole season for the unemployment, communication problems, faltering relationship arc, and then a whole arc for like rage and public mobilization and dealing with your family's expectations and eventually the election. Uh, um, yeah, I can I think see it, how those two are split. Sure. But I think if you had one season of the unemployment without the without the benefit of the second half of the payoff you would have felt it was a pretty bad season so i mean i don't want i don't want to indulge in hypotheticals i don't think that's productive, <laughs> but i i think that uh i think that they work well together how they do it just it feels like a season where more happens than in the Agreed. average season a fuck ton <laughs> happens and I, i'm not saying it's a bad thing i i mean we're, no, we're going me off we're going off the back of last season where we were you know spy family where you complained routinely that nothing happens uh and how it's really slow whilst now you've got something that's going speedily and it's like (laughs) no i just i mean i mean it's just how i'm wired that i always end up wondering about the writing process Mm. and i am curious about about the writing process for a because it's it's so opaque it's so opaque cowlip and raricho are invisible (laughs) even yeti is invisible you don't have any of the like the voicing cast for any of the act the characters are are not linked or referenced at all yeah just uh, a thing that you're i guess just employed by sanrio to do things yes even like just who are Agretzko's a fictional band it's like otm girls have songs on spotify but it's, it's we never know who the actual uh singers uh behind it are it's it's like yeah. people speculate oh it could be baby metal it could be any dozen of people but th- i mean it's... that's that, i mean also going back to like me digging into bocce the rock like there is some stuff in that as well like the bocce the rock album they didn't mention any of the producer or creator notes to actually ah, make the songs it's all sad. just it's all just the names of the characters 
Um, which I think so. It feels like it's not like an unknown thing. It's unexpected, I guess, especially for something like Bocce the Rock. But I also feel that Bocce the Rock probably isn't part of. I mean, Bocce the Rock mm. isn't part of a massive company like Sanrio. <laughs> but yeah, yeah. Uh, it's that's it's that um, is where this distinguishes itself from um, the way we get to see the sort of, like the production of of most anime it's it's far more um opaque um than most production processes yeah um just sad that there's probably there's some very talented people who will not get their recognition uh, which i feel like is kind of a problem with the anime industry writ yeah. large like even if people do know names like it's social media and like fans that that raise up these these rising stars and these people doing good work because mm-hmm. Corporations certainly don't want you to get famous and expensive. That's for mm-hmm. sure. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Sorry, I, I, I do think that Agretico is the best Netflix anime out there. Mm. Yeah, it's, it's, it has something to say. Um, it, it takes the characters, as you said, Andy, to like their logical conclusion in a lot of places. Like f- from a stressed out office worker singing karaoke after hours to to cool herself off to. A candidate running on a platform of rage is you can describe it and you're just like oh okay but like to actually see that go see that happen through 51 episodes plus 100 shorts that are semi-canon um is it was a lot of fun yeah so uh sorry favorite moments and then we all have to say our favorite character or or like who is the most us i think we should do them both i think we should do them both okay okay yeah it was just this this season. Um, I lo- I loved the moment when um, Agretso sort of like first notices she's gone. Uh, her campaign, quote unquote, has gone viral. She works on wa- walks into the staff room and she, she her, she's there on TV and and she just boom, off. Just no, <laughs> walks out. And then then we get this this sh- this cutting to all her friends and family just seeing her on TV and be like doing spit takes literally. And yeah. I love that how it goes through the entire cast and it and then we get to um Hippo Mum who's um uh Kaba Megami. Kaba, yeah. Kabai. Kabai. Yeah. Uh, who is it who 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 sees it, it smiles walks into the director's office, whispers in his ear, and then he does the spit take. She's still so defined by her gossiping that, that she doesn't do a, she doesn't react herself. She gossips to someone else who reacts. And that was just a, for me, a very enjoyable little one. Yeah. If, if you want my favorite moment, it's genuinely in the credits when she's like breakdancing as, as, as her dance for something. Because uh, every every credits they have her just kind of like head banging along to the theme song. If you skipped it, I'm sorry because she doesn't some awesome break dancing, and I thought it was just hilarious to watch them put the character through those Isn't those it, straights. Yeah, the the I my favorite bit was <laughs> just a very I guess there's a lot that I like, but the thing that really chuckle, made me chuckle the most is uh, when they're watching TV, uh, Gretico and Hyda, and then they just go. Wow, they're really happy that they've just lost their jobs. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's a lot of funny little moments like that. Like everything surrounding the weird rage guy, Ikari Matsuo. Yeah, just... yeah. Like his his eyes and sh- Yeah, that's... Just that... a weird bush baby who just get more and more <laughs> veiny as he talks. Yeah, and that was good. That was good. Um, so favorite characters then. Um, 
Mm. I think it's That's hard. hard. I mean, hard. It's hard. Like she's like it's 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 like who are you happiest always to see on screen? And that's probably Fenico for me. Like, she's not the deep character. We said this, but every single time she's on, she's funny. Like, like, and for a comedy like like this, like that is, does make her like a, the best scene stealer of, of the cast. Even if she doesn't have necessarily much depth to her, she's, she just comes in, perfectly times her snark and yeah. leaves. As much as I love... As much as I love Fenico, I think of almost think of Man, uh, Manica as like the rich man's Fenico because she's also <laughs> just kind of like blunt and pissy. And watching her like do the interview rounds for Gretzko after after she declared her candidacy and just I don't know. I like two faced characters too. That's a trope I like in anime and just her like having to be cute, but actually she's you know she's like Nico Nico trash sort of thing. Yeah, but, yeah that's, but... that, that's always a great, that's always a great, great, like, uh, thing to have. Um, for me personally, I, I think I just, I really love the Washimi Gotti combo. Yeah. I don't think <laughs> yeah, if I had good. to pick one, I'd probably choose Washimi just cause she's a bit more meddling, but I always love whenever they're on stage, whenever, whenever they're going to come in, um, I always love their sort of, they're the they're the voice of reason in in Agretico's world, and they're the they're the ones that always grounds her to accept what's happening to her, and to either move on or to move or to step up to it. Uh, I I think they're really great characters. Yeah, um, they've been consistently good as well, and and they've 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 transitioned from starting out as just this this pun where you see them like marching down the office every day, which was great. Like, great, yeah. I love it. <laughs> but I, I would also say going back to like the other thing the previous the best scenes like that scene where you know Fennec Retz goes like why did you invite me out why did you want to be my friend and it's still just like because you looked interesting and you look like a, a a nice a person who would be fun to hang out with and uh, it felt really real uh mm-hmm. sometimes there isn't really a reason as to why somebody wants to hang out with you and be your friend right like uh or there doesn't need to be a reason even. Exactly. Just like, you want to make connections <laughs> with people. Yeah. yeah. And I, I thought that scene was, yeah, really, really nice. Um, one of one of the best. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It's, it's a shame we haven't really got that much of uh, Gori and Rashimi in the last couple of seasons. I think they've kind of faded into background support characters rather than being us getting to see them. Like, Gori being like this very stoic character, uh, in public and then being a bit of an emotional mess in private was very endearing because it's like yeah you you've got got to if she, someone as driven as she is made out to be has to just like put her herself out as as emotionless because that's what's because she knows that she will be punished if she shows emotions so she her just like Agretzko, she's she has her her, her public side and her private side and i think that's part of why they they bond so well because she's she's used to this expectation to, of how she has to compartmentalize who she is um mm. well she means more kind of enigmatic which is kind of good mm-hmm. for for the kind of uh design she is like for a secretary bird this this very elegant looking one and who who always speaks in very very concise and elegant sentences and 
we don't, I don't really have a sense of who she 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 really is. Other I, I got than the eminently the, capable. But that's the thing. She is she is the you know what's that phrase? Behind every leader, there's a capable woman, which is pretty sexist. But you know that's what she is. She's the capable person who's actually pulling the strings. She is she's mm-hmm. the actual person making the decisions. Um, and she's just got that ability and that know it knowledge and how to pull on people's minds and heartstrings to get what she wants. Um, and so in many ways, she's kind of like Fenico, but she's a lot more subtle and secretive and man- in some ways manipulative, I guess. But I don't mm. think that that's a negative thing. I, would, I, would I, think, in- I think Fenico is too much of a goblin to manipulate people. Yeah. Is, a, is yeah. the ultimate yeah. truth. I, I would have yeah. been interested if like, we'd got a bit more in season four because like, she, she essentially... Not doesn't engineer exactly, but is fairly strongly responsible for the ascension of the new boss. Like she's she's the one who sees in him someone who's very competent and thinks, "Ah, oh, yeah, that's what we need now. We need we need this new person in." And he turns out to be a disaster for the company, and she doesn't really get any stick for that, or doesn't really have any self reflection of maybe I bear some responsibility for this person that I helped get into this position. It's just like, nah, it's it's still his fault yeah. for being terrible, not her fault for not, not spotting that. Because she's well, otherwise no, so she's otherwise so perfect, so very much as you as you say, she's the adult in the room and yet she makes this decision which almost ends the company. And there's not really much said about it afterwards. She doesn't make the ultimate decision. She that's that's everybody else's decision. And I don't think I don't think she had any none of them had any idea of the kind of person she turned out to they he turned out to be. True. So I don't know if that I understand your point. But I don't and and maybe that is another point of where does the blame lie? It's a, at the end of the day, it didn't really fall on one person's decision. It was a, it was a group decision to elect him. Yeah. Regardless, it it's definitely a show about like the strange ways that forms that power take and like how how we re- distribute so little power across the system that is is so crushing. And like, yeah, it. I don't think it was a wrong gamble. Um, but no, basically no one gets their comeuppance in a Gretzko because that's not the kind of story it tells. Like even the final yeah. thing is that is, is, is the, the political heir, the anointed political heir getting elected and you, the victory was embarrassing, embarrassing him a little bit in the process. And, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I admire that, that level of, uh, that level of lack of resolution, how how unresolved that ends up being. Yeah, I guess so. Uh, now we go to the uh, tag yourself section. I, I mean, I feel I feel like I'm either Hyda or Fenico, but that that sounds like conceit. Uh, of, <laughs> yeah, me. that's bullshit. I, I mean, you're allowed conceit. I, 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 I just keep, <laughs> I just I keep my head down and I do my work. And in my own time, I'm a I'm still an academic at heart. But I don't think that I don't think Sanrio is marketing to me yet. I mean, I, I, I feel that, yeah, I, I would, I'd like to be a Fenico, but in reality, I'm probably a Cabba. I'm probably the gossip. <laughs> You're the so gossip. Office nothing, gossip. Nothing I love more than office gossip. So <laughs> you know, that's, that feels like that's definitely me. Uh, the other one, I guess, would be Puko. 
like the really cool sort of like alternative oh. medicine, like alternative job, like uh, what is she? Lynx? Not quite sure. Uh, the, I remember her from the first scene. She's like she's, she's a cougar. Yeah, she's, she's literally she's, a cougar. Yeah, she's oh, she's, she's all cougar. she's like all side hustle. Like she's hundred percent just what going out and just doing everything and succeeding by sheer enthusiasm etc i think for me like it's it's more uncom uncomfortable it's like it's the worst parts of tadano i think i i, I, I most <laughs> strongly associate with like this like um i i'm his like inability to like look and past his own sort of self-avowed rationalism to see what others think and take that into account reminds me so strongly of how i i struggled to sort of reconcile myself with the way relationships worked in my early 20s like i i, I remember having this conversation like my my first serious girlfriend and she was like wouldn't it be really nice one day just to be to be married and to to live together and just in, enjoy life and i was like I don't really believe in marriage at that age. I think in your early twenties in particular, I think, I think it is a, a, a men thing that we, we are told to sort of focus on rationalizing what we do to think what we're doing. We're making logical choices. We're not, we're not letting, we're not letting ourselves be sentimental. We're, and I think like that's a really, harmful ideology that it's sometimes is hard to get out of especially if like myself you are anywhere on the spectrum like it's it's like laser guided to appeal to the fact that we don't necessarily read people well that we don't necessarily read the room like to be told like yeah that's okay because emotions don't matter it's like that that's a really poisonous um this, I'm, I'm like seeing these weird similarities between it and the way this ends and and like if only Shinji could have seen the end of her Gretzko, like Eva could have saved a lot of trouble like just like <laughs> the, the, the hedgehog's dilemma uh, is, isn't a dilemma at all because in the end we all do have to huddle together for warmth and we are going to hurt each other and you just have to get past that and accept like you're not going to fully understand people but you have emotions and they have emotions and if you just pass them back and forth a bit then maybe you find common ground and like that's a message like i could have done telling my younger self uh for it to come from watching a, a tech tech bro donkey mess up his relationship then well so be it <laughs> One last thing is like, dear God, season five is even worse. Like he he randomly turns up. Hyder's uh, like, oh, can you help me out? Because uh, all this, and he's like, yeah, sure. And they go down to the this net cafe where Hyder's uh, been like just suffering and just trying to get by. And and Tadano's like, wow, this place has all this manga. It's got all these computers and it's got these li li little booths where I can just put myself away from everyone else. I'm just going to buy this whole place. And he, just, and he does. <laughs> he's a billionaire. And he, there's no consequences. He's, he's, like all the people who are working there like, uh, are just like kicked out. And he, he's just like, yeah, I've just got this place, place to myself now. I mean, there, is a there is a consequence. And the consequence is, is those poor people that they wanted to have a connection with and either wanted to help. 
he could no longer have and find because they'd moved on because it's like this, you know, because a rich person has bought them out. It's essentially a a metaphor on um, gentrification in a way. And then he's and then he's tired enough with it that he's like willing to like lend it out to be a campaign headquarters instead of what he actually bought it for. So it's literally just flipping a net cafe into a temporary business. It's yeah. Anyway, I know it's, it's a dilettante. Yeah. <laughs> I, I view you both as Hidori and Miggy and I'll be Manica because I'm the real star here. <laughs> I was going to I was going to change my answer to, to, to Inui. I think, I think I could go with, I could, I could jam as Inui, the dog that, uh, that Haida dates in season oh, three. Oh yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Easy going, often a temp worker. Uh, <laughs> not you, I, I, not you and B and I then. Just, just absolute busybody. And then when he gets home, he's fiercely defensive. Oh no, I am, I am calm waters at work. Believe me, I would never <laughs> blow up at someone if if they contacted me any other way than email. I would love my coworkers to not call me and just email me instead, but I wouldn't <laughs> scream at them about that. Anyway, let's go ahead and call it there. Um, next episode, we will be handling the end of the winter anime season. Everyone looks confused. It'll be a short one because the winter season is dog shit. Yeah, it's kind of boring. Um, so yeah, rate, review, and subscribe to us on the podcast platform of your choice. Find us on Facebook, search for Keyframes Podcast. Find us on Twitter, at Keyframes Pod. Email us questions, email us topics, email us your thoughts about... Gretzko, and we will try to answer if possible. So yeah, email us at keyframespodcast at gmail.com and most of all, most importantly, tell a friend. But uh, don't tell any friend, Ben. Oh boy. If I were you, I'd tell the friend who's uh, just become jobless and is thinking of changing everything. I would say... I would say tell a friend who who is a depressed goth girl who lives at a net cafe and mm. drinks like weird suicide mixes of soda every single day. I love that soda combination. That <laughs> was so satisfying. What was I it? Mean, melon and orange and something else. It was and like cola. cola, melon, orange. And it was like the it was like traffic lights. I really enjoyed it. <laughs> um, oh, that's clever. Yeah. But would you enjoy the actual uh, drink? Probably not is the answer. But I mean, who who knows? I mean, well, maybe that was one a... of us. One of us will have to try and report back. <laughs> I think that like that that's gonna, I'm going to have to turn up at Andy's house with a bottle of cola, a bottle of like melon juice, and a bottle of uh, uh, thing, and, and Andy's going to have melon to drink liqueur it. and <laughs> melon liqueur, own soda, and cola. And you, you could, it work. could be good. Who it knows? Work. Uh, yeah, it'd contra. be the sweetest thing you ever drank in your life, though. <laughs> there, there, we've got a job for you to. You can like, uh, you can try and uh, workshop a, a shikabani cocktail uh, <laughs> with all those flavors in it. Mm-hmm. See if you can do that. Well, <laughs> well, until then, say goodbye, everybody. Bye. Goodbye. Farewell. We're really moving up in our tiny little world. Cut this. Uh, <laughs> I will cut this. Do this again. No, no being nice. No being nice.